the Mets. We Listening to the Shea and Sons Podcast with your hosts, Key and Keyshawn Diaz. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Shea and Sons Podcast. We finally back. Episode number nine, the Brandon Nemo episode. What's going on, baby brother? We're here. We're here. And so are the Mets. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Good vibes, man. Good vibes. We finally back recording. I mean, every time every time we finish recording, we got like a thousand storylines every single goddamn week with this team. And here we are again, guys. We're here for you. We're here recording for you on a late Friday night. This is episode for you. Memorial Day weekend. We out here giving this episode for you, the people. Apple, uh, Spotify, YouTube, Twitter, your mama, Instagram, all that. This for y'all, you know what I'm saying? So... <laughs> This 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 is gonna be a jam packed episode, and we we yeah. we kicking it right off. We kicking it right off where the Cleveland Guardians, the Cleveland Guardians guys, you know what that means. The Lindorks are coming out to play. We all know yeah. what happened a few years ago. The Mets ignited trade where we acquired Francisco Lindor, and we get Cookie Carrasco for Ahmed Rosario, aka Professional Bowler, because you you know he can't feel nothing over there at shortstop. Um, <laughs> Excuse me. Why is the the second baseman not coming to my mind? Oh my god, Andre Andre Jimenez. Yeah, yeah, Andre yeah. Jimenez. Andre the Giant. Yeah. He's he's no bigger than four foot eleven. Guy sucks too. <laughs> Whatever. Guy had one good year. He stinks too. So, anyways, they come to town, and we all know all eyes are on Lindor. All eyes are on you know Ahmed Rosario and you know Andre Jimenez. What they gonna do? Blah 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 blah. Whatever. Uh, game number one. Very interesting game. Very yep. interesting game. I mean, that game was very much. I mean, we had those games in Tampa Bay where we, we, you know, we had those crazy comebacks. But this one, I mean, this one, Mets win nine to ten. I mean, you don't get to see a lot of those sort of kind of comebacks, but we win nine to ten in a back and forth battle. It was like one minute. It, it, so much emotion in this game. It, you, yep. you really didn't know what to expect. Pete Alonso hits a grand slam to tie the game in the seventh inning. I mean, and at, at that point, people are going nuts. We're screaming. We're jumping. People on Twitter are just going nuts. I was holding the Twitter space, and I didn't even know it was going to go crazy the way it did. <laughs> Shout out to my boy Edge. We were bugging the hell out. We didn't know what was going on. Francisco Alvarez, two for four with a home run. Game tying hit in the bottom of the tenth inning. Lindor gets the game-winning base hit. You know what I'm saying? Like, what what, what the hell? Like, yo, this is just yeah. pure euphoria insanity in Metzland, bro. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty amazing. Um, I wasn't at home to, to witness it. I was just following the game at the gym, and I almost bust my ass on the treadmill. <laughs> while watching, watching I about to catch home. a case at freaking Planet <laughs> Fitness over a Hey, listen, that that uh that home run was ridiculous. That Pete Alonso hit Oppo Taco, the fans went nuts. I knew a couple people that went to the game, they went crazy. Francisco Alvarez, I don't know what more to say about him. I don't like anything more that I say, it, it, it wouldn't 
do him justice mm-hmm. for the compliments that I would give the kid. Absolutely. He's finally, he's, he's definitely shown up and he's here. Like this is, this is his league, you know? Um, you know, the baby Mets, they were, they were five for 13, two, two home runs, five RBIs. Lindor coined them as the baby Mets after the game, after his game winning hit. He gave them and a lot of yeah, praise the after the game. He gave them a lot yeah, of praise. He did. He did. Something Every, usually, all three it's, of them. yeah, it's usually, you know, the leaders do that shit. Fuck you, Jason Kipnis. But yeah, that's usually what a leader yeah. does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck Jason Kipnis, by the way. Um, guys like it, a boot, it was guys it was, like a bootleg McNeil. He could never fill his shoes. Guys yeah, a loser. But anyways, yeah. anyway, I'm sorry it, to interrupt. It, please continue. No, no, you're good. You're good. It was uh, it was definitely poetic justice for Lindor to get the hit, especially after Jason Kipnis was talking that talk, and with so many Mets fans, Mets oh, fans, yeah, Mets fans talking uh, about him coming into this series, and you know, just looking back on the trade, so. It's it's low hanging fruit. It's like if Lindor scratches his ass a certain way, people are offended. You know, oh my god, he's he's put a thumbs down. Ah, like, oh my, get over your shit, please. Grow <laughs> up. Oh my god, yeah. Lord have mercy. And then when he does yeah. good, you know, I, it's crazy when homeboy does good. Yo, the timeline be it's like peace. It's like you don't, you know, what I'm saying it's yeah. like World War Three. Never, ever, ever. Th- like just it, it came and went, you know what I'm saying? Like it was nothing. But shout out to Frankie yeah. Lindor. He really needed that. I'm glad he did that against his old team. Um, shout out to fucking Pete Alonzo, man, continuing to just mash the baseball. And shout out yeah. to the best rookie in the National League. Yeah, that's right. I said it. James Altman. Yeah, sorry. Womp womp. Anyways, moving on. Game number two got postponed because that's just how shit's been going for the New York Mets. The rain, the, the, and the inconsistencies. That's pretty much how you would sum up the first half of the New York Mets. A lot of rain delays, a lot of rain outs, a lot of double headers. And we head over to Sunday where we played two games. Game number one. Uh, this was supposed to be the Francisco Lindor bobblehead day that was supposed to happen the day prior Happened a day later. It was the first game of the of the doubleheader. I, yeah. yes, I bought ticket, a ticket to just go get the bobblehead, which is you know somewhere back there. But, um, and I had plans, so I couldn't stay for the game. But I definitely got my bobblehead. It was pretty dope. You know, I should do a review of it. It's pretty cool. Um, but the Mets win another comeback win, five to four. Um, Scherzer looked great. Um, six innings, three hits, five Ks. Adovino, though, Adovino gave up three earned runs. His ERA kind of like got over, I believe, over four. He kind of looked gas, you know, it didn't look too good. But thankfully, yeah. thankfully, Esterling, Esterling Marte. Shout out to Joely Rodriguez. Esterling Marte pulled <laughs> up to the party with a go ahead, two run home run in the bottom of the eighth. Gary Sanchez showed. Like, you know, why he was here and why he might not be here. Um, so shout out to him for pulling up, you know, in a Met yeah. jersey. And, yeah, we'll get into that a little later. But um, with that being said, the Mets take two out of three so far. What are your thoughts? Uh, This was it. I don't know. Ever since that Tampa Bay game, you felt like things kind of changed. Absolutely. The Tampa Bay game in which we, you know, in which we made that crazy comeback. 
kind of felt like the vibes were starting to change. And in this game, it definitely felt like that, especially after that home run by Marte. Um, the place was going crazy. I was going nuts when I saw it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it. we said it here last week. Games like that, you cannot waste. Absolutely. Moments like that, you cannot waste. You have to go on a run. You have to take that momentum. And that can that can alter a season. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that mm-hmm. here. At least, at least in in this stretch of games, we've seen it. So you know, definitely good signs from the boys. And we're staring a sweep. You know, we're staring at a team that we can sweep, and that's a good momentum builder. And that's exactly what the hell we did, boys and girls. Because baby yeah. brother went to the stadium. I was in the stadium in the morning. I just went to go get a bobblehead. My homeboy went for the night game, and I'll just—I'm yeah. gonna—I'm gonna give you the floor because you were there for a beautiful pitching performance. You know, yeah. if Justin did his thing. Shane Bieber, who knows future Matt Winker, dink dink. We'll get into that later. Spoiler alert! But let me know how that game went, baby brother, because you were there in the building. So the minute I stepped foot inside of the building. It was like when Mason did he step foot in, like, you know, those throwback videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They was diddy popping. With the foil foil suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going crazy. Yeah, yeah. I was doing that as I was walking in. And then all of a sudden, I heard a bunch of people go, oh, oh. Oh, What happened? The home run. Jose Ramirez hits a home run the minute I stepped foot in that stadium. I was ready to walk out. I I had enough. The the human pit bull. That's what he looks like. Yeah, yeah. So... (laughs) You know, I, thankfully, I did not walk out, but I got to my seat. The view was beautiful, and the view was definitely beautiful because of that pitching performance. That mm-hmm. was that was something to watch. Justin Verlander, prime time. Mm-hmm. He showed he he definitely took that game by the Bulls and yeah. he said, "I'm not losing this game." And you know, Lindor did what he did. Mm-hmm. Hit a hit an absolute bomb to left field place went absolutely nuts i don't know if espn caught it Um, and then obviously yeah obviously you know in the uh i think it was the ninth or the eighth you know mcneil hits the sacrifice fly lindor scores uh or or was it somebody pinch hit for pinch brand for alvarez but alvarez got it started Mm -hmm. so you know overall it was a great time um singing backstreet boys Mm -hmm. it was fire um but yeah the mets got the the dub and and yeah, the vibes were immaculate. Shout out night. to shout out to Bergard. You were at the game with one of our buddies, Bergard. So yeah, shout, shout, out to, shout out to Bergard. Glad man. he got to enjoy a really good game. Um, not only did ESPN catch the home run and catch you know the vibes, the celebration, we also caught you know Buster only not knowing a damn thing about the New York Mets. What is new? But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, Woo-hoo. you know. Anyways, um, and Justin Verlander just just. Absolute dominance, absolute dominance. I mean, that's what you pay him for. I mean, that that's ace, ace level stuff, and that's what we need. That's more. That's that's kind of what we need from him. We need, you know, we need that from Max. We need that from Kodai. So huge, huge, huge series win. Huge series. Not only was it a series win, it was a sweep, and we needed that because now we're heading over to Chicago. And man, I hate going to Chicago. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. The Mets do not fare well. The Mets do not fare well in Chicago. I have. I have bad history in that park. I no, I'm good. And I had a feeling it was just gonna be a shitstorm when, you know, the first you hear out of nowhere that for game number one, we're supposed to get Kodai Senga and then he gets pushed back a day. And everybody's scrambling, what's going on? 
And the Twitter talk was maybe something was wrong with Alvarez. It wasn't Sanger because they really wanted to make sure Alvarez caught Sanger. And as we got to see that, you know, in the opening game, we got, you know, McGill and Sanchez as the pitching and catching duo. And at that moment, right off the rip, I knew it was a shitstorm you know, brewing because I they never really caught. There's no chemistry between the two. We know Gary Sanchez is not you know, the best defensive catcher. McGill, we all know how he is away from home. It's kind of hit or miss. Even when he's at home, it's a little bit more of a, you know, kind of know what you're going to get. But the minute shit goes south for a guy like Taylor McGill and with the catcher not being, you know, the upper echelon talent that we have, you know, in terms of being a catcher, and it's a guy who just got here, it's a recipe for disaster, absolute recipe for disaster. And that's exactly what it was. The Mets lose seven to two. McGill barely, barely three and two thirds, four runs, uh, six six runs in total, but four of them were earned. Ton of pass balls by Gary Sanchez. You know, yeah, yeah. Gary Sanchez. He must have hated playing dodgeball as a kid. You know, but hey, whatever. It is what it is. We all know what we we're gonna get. I still don't know why we even bother because Michael Perez is my king. You know what I'm saying? Michael Perez, wherever you at, if you listen, you my guy. I swear to God, every time Michael Perez is here, he does good things. I don't know why the Mets hate him, but whatever. It is what it is. Um, the Mets are seven and thirteen when facing a lefty starter. That's not good. That's a lot like last. Last year, guys. So, yep. you know, Pete did. Pete got a home run, 18th of the season. Tommy Pham, though, he cost the team three runs with a boneheaded error in left field. Five runs yep. for the Cubs off of home runs. The home run ball kills Mets pitching once again. So, that's how we started off the, the series in Chicago, baby brother. What were your thoughts about, you know, the whole McGill getting the start? You know, pushing Kodak back, and what what do you think about the rumors that it was mainly because they were just making sure Alvarez okay? Oh, by the way, because now I know Alvarez took a few shots to the head with uh, the series yeah. in Cleveland, so they were yeah. like, there was rumors about like maybe it could be a concussion. You know, maybe they're just being careful. Buck did say that, and you know, pregame press, so he just he was playing it very cautious with Alvarez. It was nothing really about Senga because we ended up did you know we ended up. Get, getting Sanger the next game. So what were your thoughts about that? Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting that uh, Alvarez didn't start the series and, you know, you just threw in Gary Sanchez, but I also think I didn't think that he would catch Sanger regardless. So the switch, uh, I guess it made sense. Sanger gets another off day. Alvarez gets an off day on top of another off day on Monday that we had. Um, yeah, Alvarez got, he got hit a couple times and you know, as we saw with that Braves and Dodgers series, I mean, that was a point of contention for uh, Will Smith and Marcel Ozuna, yeah. given that uh, Will Smith has caught a couple of uh, shots to the head and been concussed. So yeah. I kind of like the fact that Buck recognized that and he gave him a day off, even though it came at the detriment to our lineup. It is what it is. Um, we weren't going to win this game to your point because of – just just McGill's inconsistency and him being on the road. He he isn't as comfortable on the road as he is at home. And, you know, the home run ball, he loves to give him up. Yeah. And we saw it here. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, shout out to Will Smith standing up to a domestic violence abuser. You know, we need more of those people yep. in society. So shout out to Will Smith. Um, but, but we start the series with an L. And, you know, 
Now you're staring at. See, I'm a big. I'm big. I'm, I'm really big on starting series with W's because it worked last year. You start a series with a W and you play the advantage. You know what I'm saying? Now you put the yep. pressure on the opposition to take two straight games off you, which is pretty hard to do in baseball for a lot of teams. You know, a lot of teams kind of go win, loss, win, loss, whatever. So. You take the first game, now you put all the pressure on them. Unfortunately, the Mets did not take the first game like we did in you know, the Cleveland series at City Field. We lose this uh, opening uh, game in Chicago, and now we got to win the next two straight. Like, now all the pressure's on. And staring us at the face is a very, very, very windy, cold uh, Wrigley Field and a four foot three little pitcher that did his damn thing, Marcus Stroman. He pretty much shoved the shit in our face. And you know what? We deserve it. We deserve it because we didn't do nothing about it. The Mets lose 4-2. Senga, uh, you know what? Senga battled. It wasn't his best start. He didn't look too good, but he got out of trouble. Five innings, three on runs, six strikeouts, but five walks. That's the that's what kills Senga. It's the walks because the, the pitch yeah. count goes up. You know what I'm saying? I don't know the yep. counts of those walks, but at minimum, those are four pitches. So that's 20 pitches that didn't go in the strike zone, not counting anything that was fouled off. So right off the rip, that's 20 pitches that could have been in the zone that you just gave away. And 20 pitches right there, that's an inning or maybe two, you know what I'm saying, depending on yeah. you know how yeah. you're dealing. So. Right there, you're already cutting your day short. So if he did five innings, you know, he doesn't walk those guys, he probably could have gave you six in like two-thirds or something. So, you know, it is what it is. Command could be an issue with Sanger here and there as we continue, especially away from home and in, you know, conditions that, you know, especially like, you know, Wrigley Field where it's windy can affect them. Uh, Marcus Stroman, eight innings, two earned runs. You know what? Did his thing. Sometimes you get punched in the mouth, guys. Sometimes, yep. and it'd be the guy you hate the most. You know what I'm saying? And it's your job to punch yep. back. And if you don't punch back, that guy has every right to talk all the shit he wants. That's just the honest truth, guys. You guys don't like it. I understand. Uh, apparently, we have this divine, divine right where we, nobody can ever show us up. Nobody could ever do this. Nobody, you know, I don't know where that comes from in Metsland. I don't know this, like, this weird, like, uh, mentality where, like, we can do all the huffing and puffing, but when it's done to us, oh, my God, how dare he do this? Like, it's such a spoiled brat. I mean, I mentioned this many times. a spoiled brat mentality. We were so, like, we act like we're some privileged, like, brat out there, and it just, it's so tasteless, man. Look, the guy did his thing. Yep. He went eight innings, bro. He could have maybe, he yep. probably could have thrown a complete game. And if, right. if, if Senga does that, we're going to be huffing and puffing and doing all that crap that he did to us, too. The only thing I had a problem with was when he did try to do the Derek Jeter move. I don't I don't understand what the hell is that for, but whatever. It is what it is. My man got, like, two feet off the ground, so it is what it is. Um, Alvi, though, our, our catcher that we keep talking about, El Troll, another home run, six home, run in tw- six home runs in 29 games. He's third on the team. This kid, man. If there's a bright light for this game, it was this kid, bro. It, it was it, – unfortunately, we didn't get more from everybody else, but uh, Francisco yeah. Alvarez is the real fucking deal, bro. He is the real deal. He hit that ball. It was a missile, and it was into the wind. Yep. And it still got out. Yep. So that's impressive power. Like, it was in on his hands, too. He just turned on there. He's – again, we're just going to continue to say it. This might just be the Francisco Alvarez episode, but – he is every bit of what they thought he would be. Mm-hmm. And it's special to see, honestly. Um, as for Strowman, 
I have no problem with him celebrating. I'm gonna be honest. I have, I have zero problem with him mm-hmm. celebrating. You get to celebrate like that when you have eight eight innings, two arm runs, you shove against your old team. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. It's up to the Mets to hit him. It's up to the Mets to beat him. If they can't beat him and he's shoving it in their face after, you know, all the history that we have with him, it is what it is, bro. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he out here humping benches and, and doing all this crap and, and we go all, you know, celebrate it. But when it happens to us, we just got to take it on the chin, man. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Absolutely. And, you know, I will say this. When the Mets lose... Like, and we lose in a pathetic manner when everybody looks bad. Well, the majority of the team looks bad. You know, you got guys coming for Lindor. You got guys coming for Marte. You got guys, you know, like, it's the same, like, pattern. It is what it is. And it's okay. Like, I get it. And then, you know, it's kind of like the low-hanging fruit. It's the easy way to get your emotions out. It's not like you're lying. No one's saying you're wrong. But it's like right. it'll be it'll even be games where like we lose and those players that you always like by Ray and like just go after, like they'll have a pretty okay game and you still like ah oh, it's right. not good enough. Look what he's been doing the past yeah. few games and stuff. It's like yeah. it's a way to it's a coping mechanism. You know what I'm saying? So when Met fans see Marcus Stroman showing us up, oh, we're so terrible. Oh my god. Why? This guy's so bad. His exit velocity, his average. Ah, la, la, la. All right, guys, we get it. Like, congratulations. Yeah, you yeah, let yourself and, and I'm a, you, Yeah, you let yourself be known. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest too. You as a Met fan, it is your birthright to know that a former Met like that was just gonna have a good game. Of course. You're just gonna have a good game. Of because course. that's how this goes. That's how this Absolutely. goes with with New York teams in general. That's the that's guys like, leave yeah. and then all of a sudden it, it clicks. Yeah. That, and they and they shit on us. That so. was bound to happen. And you know, it's like I don't know. It's just the way we handle our emotions yeah. on that on that app that is not real life is actually like so embarrassing. It's hilariously embarrassing, but it's like Guys, again, have you ever played baseball before? There's so many shitty days. No, I know they haven't. So many <laughs> shitty days in baseball. You just got to, like, literally just take it on the chin and move on. The next yeah, day you man. get four more at-bats. They move on. Or you get six more innings to pitch better. Senga is going to pitch better the next start. You know, like, that's how you got to view yeah. it. Like, yo. If you die with every loss, you are never going to get out of the rut you're in. So it's just the honest truth, you know. I don't know how many times. Like, this should be like uh, Shay and Son's therapy sessions. I mean, I don't don't know. Guys, like, I know we want to kick and scream because we're not 40 games over 500. But this is the situation we're at. We're a 500 ball club. It's going to be a lot of ups and downs. How you handle that, though, is on you. But, you know, the same way. You know, Francisco Alvarez handled, you know, a pitch that was thrown very soft and hit it into the wind. I don't know how far he hit it. I don't know the exit velocity, but I know damn well if that wind wasn't there, that that, that ball lands in DeMar DeRozan's backyard. So that's all I got to say about that. It is what it is. Anyways, guys, just do better. Just do better. We all going to be better, even me. And with that being said, that's an interesting moment in the week because – you know, leading up to the third game, we get news that uh, the, the 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 man, the myth, the legend, the dry eye king, 
is coming back to the team. Tomas Nito. Yeah. Now, hold on. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Tom, Tomas Nito. Now, well, everybody's wondering, hold on. We got to make room. Who's getting cut? Is it Gary Sanchez? Is it Tommy Hunter? You know what I'm saying? Is it Dominic Leon? Or is it, or or is it Francisco Alvarez getting set down? There were some people wow. out there that really thought that Francisco Alvarez was gonna be sent to Syracuse when he has the second best OPS on the team because Tomas Nito doesn't have dry eye syndrome anymore. Respectfully, in my humble opinion. I think you people need to go see a psychiatrist. I honestly think you people need help. You need you need psychiatric help because you're so damaged in the soul that nothing nothing's gonna fix your fucking outlook on the on life, let alone the fucking Mets. If you think Tomas Nito is gonna have one of the best rookies in all of baseball that's saving this team on every other night, then you got another thing coming. Then Buckshaw Walter will resign at that moment. My, you know what I'm saying? But lo and behold, we've come to find out that it was Gary Sanchez. The experiment came and went. It lasted like less than what, like five days. I he, he lasted as long as a fart. It was. It was like this. It, was, it came and went. It literally made absolutely no sense. The minute I saw him wearing number thirty-three, I knew this was not going to end very well. Shout out to James McCann. Oh yeah. Um, I, I I don't understand why they just didn't roll with Francisco Alvarez and Michael Perez. I have a theory on that. You know, Perez probably never really worked with Scherzer or Verlander. So, I understand. I get it. I don't know, you know, how that correlates to Gary Sanchez. I don't think he caught either, either, either of the pitchers. But, you know, just in case in the event, you know, scheduling worked out, whatever. It is what it is. Um, but thankfully, you know, Francisco Alvarez remained with the team. Tomas Nito uh, went straight to the bench where he, you know, he doesn't even belong there, but whatever. That's his spot at the current moment uh, as a reserve. And the Mets need to make sure that they don't get swept. The worst thing to do is to sweep a team and then go on the road and get swept. That's the worst. Yep. At least, you know what? Hey, they punched you in the mouth two straight games. The first game is where the whole series went to shit. Because if Stroman does that, even if we win the first game... I'll take it if we win the third game. But at least we have one in the back pocket. Well, thankfully, the third game, the Mets said we had enough of the shit. You know, they had enough of the shit. They woke up. Even an anonymous anonymous Met was out here talking shit, mad about the, the Marcus Stroman shit. You should have just showed who you were. Stop being, stop hiding in these streets, like in the shadows. Like, on, that, that's a bad yeah, one, too, on, you man. know what I'm saying? But at yeah. least... At least it showed that somebody out there was pissed off. They had some life to them, and it resulted on the on the field. The Mets win ten to one. Uh, Pete Alonso, another home run, nineteenth of the year to lead major lead major league baseball. Cookie Carrasco with his best start of the year, going six and two thirds, one earned run. Nimmo, Alonso, Beatty, Marte, all two RBIs. Francisco Alvarez two for five with a double. Daniel Vogelbach, though, two for 22, an average of .090 over the last nine games. And lo and behold, we scored first in this game, and the Mets are 15-3 and when we score first. We had a really good offensive production. Uh, unfortunately, Daniel Vogelbach was the, was the 
the oddball of the whole thing. Everybody kind of showed up and did their thing, got an RBI. But, uh, you know, we just DFA'd somebody. And now we're on our way with another guy who, if we're being honest, we've been carrying a lot of dead weight on this team for some time. And Literally. When you see the team score 10 runs and everybody kind of step up and do their part, even guys who haven't been hitting like Marte, because you're getting glimpses of Marte. Hopefully he puts a really good yep. stretch of two weeks together very soon. You got a guy who's claimed to be the DH, who's who was at one moment the lovable, like, outcast. You know, people just wanted to root for him because of the way he looked rather than the yeah. way he performed. And now yeah. his performance are becoming consistently negative for the team. Something's got to give. And the problem that I have here, and I know we're going over the game a little bit. The problem that I have here is the reason why I mentioned Vogel back here is because it's going to lead into a whole t- uh, topic of discussion we're going to jump into is that the roster construction for this team when you get past the actual like core guys has been utter shit without these kids. And these kids have saved the bacon more than anyone has ever imagined. So before we go on to just looking at the entire roster construction of this team, you know, what you take from the Mets answering back after that Stroman performance with scoring 10 runs in Wrigley? Well, I mean, it had to happen. I'm glad that it happened. I'm glad that they were able to salvage the series. P is still hot. Cookie Carrasco, he was throwing his splitter a lot, which is a good sign. Um, It looked good. It looked good. Yeah, it did did look good. Um, I think he threw 100 pitches, too. Yeah, he did. He he gave us the length that we needed because the day before, obviously, well, two days before, we didn't have it. So, Um, but Daniel Vogelback. Two for 22, stealing that bats from Mark Vientos. Buck, what, what, what is the reason? Billy Upload, what is the reason? Just let this guy go. I had an argument with somebody on the app that is in real life <laughs> um, about Daniel Vogelback, and they they wanted to feed me him walking as as like a, a reason for him to stay, as if, as if he steals bases as if he plays the field and, and plays uh you know average defense as if he he's as if he even puts fear into the pitcher's uh, uh eyes when he goes up to bat and i just i don't understand that i think some i think there are necessary an- analytics to 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 point and prove that a player's worth but then there are some that are a little bit inflated and can kind of brainwash people and sometimes that OPS stat can brainwash a lot of y'all because if you watch the game, he's getting – I've never seen a, a a player get more pitches down the plate and uh, not swing at them. I've never I've never seen it in my life. It's, it's actually ridiculous. Like, it's, it's literally ridiculous. He's going up there for a walk. To go to, to answer to that is you know, the Mets in, like, over, I think, like, 200 games or something like that. I don't know the exact number for people who know. Please, you know, let us know in the comments below. Uh, I believe it's over 200-something-odd games. We haven't hit a home run in the first inning. And we've seen the most yeah. pitches in the first two first go-round of the batting order. So, mm-hmm. it, more than any other team in baseball. So, the Mets see the most pitches 
one through nine, the first turn through the order more than any other team in Major League Baseball. A lot of that has to do with Daniel Vogelbach being in the lineup and consistently seeing these pitches and not doing anything with them. You know, he stares yeah. at pitches like, you know, you stare at the Habibi making your bacon, egg, and cheese. <laughs> like, what, what's the point? What's yeah. the point? Like, And I no. understand he has bought into the, yeah, I'm a, I'm a get-on-base guy, but then this yeah. is the, if you was a get-on-base kind of sort of guy, you, you, you would then kind of g- give me a little bit, like, more where if I get on base, I can steal a base or I can run the base right. as well. Or right. I can play defense. Yeah. I can be on the field playing this position, right. that position. Right. Daniel Vogelback can't do any of those things. Can't do any of those things. None. He's just on this team to walk. He's on this team to get on first base so that he can get subbed out in situational you know, times. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Obviously, it's looking like it's only getting worse for him. Um. One thing I want to point out that's not related to Daniel Vogelback, Francisco Alvarez has like four home runs and he's batting like almost 400 since he signed with Bad Bunny. And, you know, <laughs> that, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> so I just want to break that up. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so whoever made that song, These Shoes Are Made For Walking, they probably signed Daniel Vogelback, but that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so Daniel Vogelback, in a game where we scored 10 runs, offers absolutely nothing. He's stealing yeah. at bats from a rookie who got called up. He hasn't played. He only played two out of the last, I think, five games that he was able to play in. And this guy's stealing at bats for him. And, you know, you can easily give me that lefty-righty, you know, split nonsense. There's plenty of right-handed guys that go up against right-handed pitching. So... You know, shout out to my boy Kev from Brox and Nothing Podcast. I listened to the episode today and I heard him go off violently on analytics. And I'm going to just echo his sentiments. Like, there's no way you can tell me just because a guy gets on base that he cannot. He's 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 given the pass to not swing the bat. You have to hit the ball. Your job is to hit the ball. You're a DH. You have to hit the ball. You can't sit there and you tell me, to, oh, I get on yeah. I get on base, you know, at a at a 80, 85% clip, so you can't tell me nothing. Bro, you getting on base, but you're doing nothing. And lately you yeah, haven't yeah, even yeah. been getting on base. So you can't even live on that. You're getting on you're getting on base, right? And and because of your size, you can't move. No, I don't So what are you what are you actually providing to my team other than to be a mascot and to walk. What he are you literally giving us? is a mascot. He literally is a, 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 a that, that's a all he is. Once I, saw mascot. That, once I saw that commercial with him and Buck, I was like, "Oh, it's a wrap." It's He's a joke. Stay with it us was, for a while. It's such a how do I say? It, in a way, it's almost fat shaming. Because everyone knows he's big, so they use it as like yeah. uh like low hanging fruit to kind of make content. Yeah. And also to, oh, we got to feel bad because he's a big guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, my God. Uh, analytics say don't be mean. Eh, like, whatever. Like, are we supposed to be, like, for real here? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, do we want to win some shit? Because there's no such thing as a Daniel Vogelbach on the team, the, the Astros that won the World Series. There's no Daniel Vogelbach on the Yankees that won the World Series. There's no Daniel Vogelbach on the, the car news that got busy. All, all their DHs, if they had any offered more than just standing there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. So, you know, when you got... Look, the team decided to play around 
and do a project with the catchers and bring in Gary Sanchez when they had a, a solid minor leaguer in Michael Perez who could have maintained backup duties for about a week and a half. There was no need to go and give right. a guy off the street a, a half a, mil, a mil and a half to just do nothing and not be able to catch a baseball, but yet you traded away one of the best relievers now with all the options possible last season for a guy that does nothing, bro. Like, absolutely. This is like, it doesn't, it doesn't compute to me how you can sit. So this is like a perfect example of why analytics can shoot yourself in the foot. You can almost lose your job based off the belief that the game is strictly analytically driven now. Because if you get rid of one of the best young talents that may not be refined at that moment, but has an upward trajectory in uh, Colin Holderman, with all his options remaining, by the way, for a guy that's known to just get on base that could run into something. Right. Why? Billy Epler, with all due respect, my man, with all due respect, you got to be literally touched by an angel. You have to be touched by an angel because the absolute fraudulent behavior of that move could easily, easily, easily prevent this team from making the playoffs. And I mean that because this team could burn out the bullpen. And we could have a really electric arm in Colin Holderman there. And this team has suffered with a merry-go-round at the DH slot because you have literally lived and died with this guy. And this is not a buck thing. The lineup shit, yeah, but you know what? He has to play this guy that the GM acquired. And I'm the biggest buck hater. And you're the biggest Epler hater. But this time, this is an Epler thing. When it comes to Vogelback, this is all on Epler. Because Epler's the Buck didn't sit here and say, let me go get Daniel Vogelbach and give away an arm. He didn't do that. He accepted it because he says, all right, this is the part that I hate with Buck. Oh, I'll make it work. That's the that's the issue that I have with Buck. Because he, you know, I agree. You know he, he, Buck will take a chance on almost anyone that's a veteran right. That, right. that's been around for a while. But Epler's the one who sat there and said, shit, I can't get this guy, I can't get this guy, I can't get this guy, I can't get this guy. I'm going to go all the way down to option Z. And I'm going to make a trade because everyone out there, the Met fans, are on my neck because we need to make a move because we weren't hitting at that time. And now, right. fast forward to, to almost the end of March 2023. This is what the bench looks like. You got Eduardo Escobar. You got Tommy Pham. Daniel Vogelbach. Now you have Thomas Nito because we just cut Gary Sanchez. You have... In my opinion, the everyday catcher, Francisco Alvarez. In my opinion, the everyday third baseman, Brett Beatty. So I'm not considering them bench players, but they get benched. You know, like they, they there's moments where they sit on the bench because the constant flux with analytics and who's on the bench. And Mark Vientos, who just came up and can't get a game. So here we go. We got Escobar. He's an infielder. Could be DH. Fam, outfielder could be a DH. Vogelback, only strictly DH. Nito, Alvarez, their catchers. Beatty, their baseman, they believe he could play some left field. Cool. I don't want him out there. I want him at third only. It is what it is. Vientos could play third, could play first, but could DH because he has a very good bat. All right. Now, right here, out of all these guys, bro, the kids are the only one with the options. 
So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta make, you gotta start making serious moves here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You cannot, you cannot yeah. sugarcoat this shit anymore. Yeah, and, I feel. And, and, and just real quick, Escobar, ten million. Fam, six million. Vogelbach, one point five million. Thomas Nino, one point nine million. And then the kids get the minimum, the rookie deals. We have to start moving like a real baseball club here. It it doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense in spring training. Some of the moves that weren't made. You know, this team almost went into the season with Darren Ruff. It took it took until the last so, week of spring training. It, right. It took it's crazy. the very last day. Unbelievable. <laughs> so when and you think about it from wrist, that. Like, what was the point of even waiting? I'm right, sorry. It right. just doesn't make any sense. But anyway, yeah. So when you think about it from that perspective, right, us almost going into the season with Darren Ruff as, as our DH, um, this team seems handcuffed to a lot of guys that are just not good enough anymore Mm-mm. or weren't good enough to begin with. Not at all. And because we're so handcuffed to these guys, it's become a detriment to, to the kids like a Vientos. Absolutely. You know, who doesn't get to see the, the, the field a lot. Like a Beatty. Who, yeah, absolutely. Who all of a sudden, the kid just, there's a narrative that the kid can't hit lefties. I saw him hit lefties in AAA. Mm-hmm. So what are we doing? Which one, you know, which one are we picking? He hit a few home runs uh, off lefties already in the major leagues. Right. So it just feels like. But he can't, he can't get a start against a lefty now all of a sudden. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense. It feels like because this team is so handcuffed to these veterans that they're gonna continue to start these veterans up until the point where they just had enough. Mm-hmm. And then the youth movement is here to stay. Mm-hmm. But how do we know that for sure, given the fact that it, it's a it's a double-sided coin to your point, right? This is definitely an Epler situation right now, and, and it has been throughout, but Buck at some point. You got to look in the mirror and be like, yo, I can't start this guy. I can't, I cannot put this guy in the lineup. I cannot do this. Uh, uh, analytics be damned, graphs, colors, all, all that bullshit, all that be damned. I got to start the kids. I got, I, I, even if it's, even if it's just one kid, one, right? If it's just Beatty or if it's just Alvarez and the other two sit, you have options. You can, you can move, you can mix and match. You can move guys around. You know, so it just it, it doesn't make any sense to me, you know, and, and then what makes it even worse is how they're treating Vientos and they got another one. They got another oh, one waiting. I'm about in to the get wings. into that right now, because after this game, after this game, it was a little bit of good vibes because we scored a lot of runs. We lost the series, right. but for Met fans, we scored a lot of runs. You know, I'm on Twitter talking with a bunch of fans, a lot of good people. You know, I'm not going to name any names, but we have, we have our, we, uh, the Shea and Sons podcast have a source. Okay, guys. It's a source that a lot of other people have, but this is a pretty good source. All right. This guy. He's a friend of the show. He's He's a friend friend of of the the show. show. Shout out my boy, CJ. I'm just going to put it out there that this guy don't miss. All right. This guy, I'm going to start calling him Ray Allen. This guy don't miss. This guy don't miss. I'll be real. Like, I haven't even, I can't, I've been trying to figure out if he's had like a blunder, but he hasn't. I don't know how he does it. I don't know. I don't need to know, though, to be honest with you. Don't care how he knows. Yeah. But I just yeah. know the guy's yeah. solid, you know? Guy tells me he heard through the grapevine that after this game, 
Vogelback has four days left on this team. Doesn't know what that means, though. That could mean four days left to prove it to the Mets that, hey, he still got something. Or four days left no matter what he does. He could go for three different cycles or hit four home runs in a game and they've had enough. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. But the word out there in Mets land is that Daniel Vogelbach apparently has four days left. Now, we did the math. That's the entire Colorado series plus Memorial Day, which the Mets are not playing on. And that would mean that coming for the Philadelphia series, the first time we play the Phillies, which will be in City Field, we will not have Daniel Vogelbach. Now, the, the, the talk is, the obvious choice, if you're going to get rid of Daniel Vogelbach, would be probably the hottest hitter in the entire farm system, in all of baseball, in all the minors, Ronnie Mauricio, El Chimi. And if that's the case, now you have El Chimi, Ronnie, you have Mark Viento, Swaggy V, you got Brett the Hitman Beatty, and you got Francisco El Troll Alvarez. You got all four of the kids, the fantastic boys here. And it's up to the Mets to figure out how they're going to get them on the field. But here's the problem. As I mentioned earlier, who gets cut? Now you got choice number one, the obvious choice, Daniel Vogelbach. Here's the thing, though. The Mets made a deal with Daniel Vogelbach. They exercised a a clause in his contract to avoid arbitration year number three. And they pretty much outright paid it off by giving him like a $1.2 or $1.3 million deal, something like that. They avoided a year of control. So pretty much at the end of this year, no matter what happens, there's no more control. He becomes an outright unrestricted free agent. Either you find a... uh, Either you, 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 you just... Cut your hands clean because I don't think you're going to find a dance partner to trade with. You can't even sell a team on the fact that he gets on base or could get on base more because you do not have the year of control anymore. That's I don't know why the Mets did this because the Mets could have used that to, to just sell them off or maybe like a, a farm arm or something or cash considerations. You know, some some deal that we always hear about that doesn't amount to pretty much anything. But you're pretty much going to lose him for nothing, which almost is his value. So right. it's not the craziest thing. But if you cut him now, then you just justified almost one year of absolute failure from that trade. Not only was another that trade, another a, bad trade. Yeah. Another trade that blew up in this GM's face. Because yeah. not only did you fuck up this one, you fucked up the, the Darren Ruff one. That was a bigger fuck up. But now, to clean up your mess, to clean up your mess, you got these kids just outplaying their potential, showing the entire fan base that these kids are the real deal. And to cover your ass, you're going to call them up and cut the guy that you thought could have saved your ass a year ago in a big-time division race. Because that was the guy you went and chose to go win the division with, Daniel Vogelbach. And now, if you're going to call up Mauricio, because that's what we're hearing in the streets of the, of the Mets land, you can't really trade him anymore because you don't have the year of control. There's GMs. If you talk like a GM, if you put your GM hat, don't play like you're a sofa GM. You, we're talking about like these analytic guys who done gone to Harvard, Princeton. They love this sort of shit. 
Oh, he got right. a year of control? I'll take that. I'll make it work. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Vogelbach? Yeah, he doesn't do a lot, but he got a year of control. Well, we'll, we'll go after it. They would have gave us a guy who probably doesn't have options left, and maybe we would have had to sign him. Long. You know, it would have been a deal something like that. Or right. they would have gave us cash because maybe there's a team out there that needs a guy to get on base or needs a, a maybe power hitter here and there or maybe – you know what I'm saying? There, there's so many scenarios that you or me or the people listening don't know what's out there when it comes to – you know, how these GMs talk with one another. Because we all know that, he, listen, Billy is a terrible GM, but there's wor- there's even worse out there. I'm not saying he is the worst, but there's some GMs out there that are even garbage, that they'll just fling off really good talent just for nothing because, you know, something in their system says so. So now you have option number two. You're going to either probably have to send down a kid if you don't send down Vogelbach. You got to pick one of these kids because, look, as I mentioned, the options, Francisco Alvarez has three remaining, Beatty has three remaining, and Vientos has two remaining. Guys, don't you know, for people out there, don't, don't forget that Vientos was called up last year. And the reason why Beatty has three, Beatty also was called up last year, but he did get hurt. He spent time on the Angeles. We called up Vientos last year and sent them back down. I just want you guys to remember that, you know, these options are very valuable. You know, the thing is, is that when Escobar has no options, Pham has no options, Vogelback has no options, Thomas Needle has no options. Those are, those are the guys you have to figure out, you know, what you're going to do if you're going to bring another kid up. And you're going to have a bench of four rookies. And here's the thing. They got to play. Right. And now if you don't if you don't send down a kid, then you got to probably think about trading Pham. Because then your fourth outfielder becomes McNeil. So what, 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 what is this? This front office right now has a huge decision to make if these rumors come to light. What do you, what, what do, you do? Do you cut Vogelback? Do you try and trade Fam, Or do you send on another kid? I think I know what you would do. But I think these are questions that, you know, Epler, his team of analysts or whatever, are, are having conversations with Buck. You know, because... Let me tell you something. If, if if Mark Vientos gets sent down for Ronnie Mauricio, there's going to be a war. There's going to be an absolute war. So you pretty much are handcuffed with cutting Vogelbach, or you're trading him if you can, because I think you can. The value's absolutely gone because you gave him a year of, of money. I don't know why they did that. Or you, you, you trade away Fam, who, you know, we've heard in, in, in many occasions, Buck loves him because he hits the ball hard. Another analytical shit that drives me up the wall. Yeah, what do you do? I mean, th- there's an obvious choice, but the the way the way Billy Epler and his team chooses to see things isn't necessarily the conventional way of doing things. I mean, this team the team gave another year to Carlos Carrasco that it didn't need it didn't need to. It didn't. We I'll didn't never forget Carrasco. that day. When we sat there and that happened, and me and you looked at each other like, "Why did we do this?" It made it made no sense. Much to the point of, you know, gaining a, 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 a you know losing a year of control off of Vogelback just so that he could be a free agent doesn't make any sense. Possessing the hero there, I'm cutting Daniel Vogelback because he provides absolutely nothing besides a walk. And besides being a, 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 a team cheerleader, that's it. That's all he provides to this team. I'm not sending one of the kids down. 
Tommy Pham, right after Vogelback, if he does get cut, is the next guy on the list mm-hmm. because he has provided absolutely jack Nothing. shit Nothing. for this team. Nothing. And if, I, if I'm if I'm going to have a fucking fourth outfielder, you goddamn right, it's gonna be McNeil over him. Yeah, and I, if, I will make sure that if if, but, if Ronnie if Ronnie gets called up, <laughs> if Ronnie gets called up and he plays some second. Then McNeil needs to be in the outfield because I don't want to see yes. McNeil benched for Marcana because that's what happens now. Yeah, I agree. You know what I'm saying? Agree. And then I, I now he, this is the merry-go-round. Tommy Pham is there, literally buried on the bench. He's pretty much going to be a DH option or whatever. What happens right. with fucking Vientos? Right. So now you got you got Beatty pretty much playing every day. You got Alvarez pretty much playing every day. Cool. Now you have Mauricio, who you're calling up. You're probably going to play him at second because you're trying to learn second. Or maybe in the miracle, I would never believe to, to even see this, give Lindor a day off and have Mauricio at shortstop. I, I, I don't think you will see that. I don't know. Maybe until Lindor wives give birth. Maybe that'll be a whole other topic. But Mauricio's going to play second. He ain't going to play the outfield. He ain't played the outfield yet. He's going to play second. You're hoping that Vientos is the DH, or right. or Vientos plays a position on the field, probably third base, because you know he's not gonna play first because Pete is always at first. Pete wants to win the Gold Glove. Pete's you know, Pete's gonna take maybe one DH. Uh, uh, Pete said it, uh, and Buck said it on the Michael K show. Pete is only gonna get like one DH day a month. So Vientos gonna have to play third. Now you're platooning. Vientos and Beatty, and then depending on the the splits, because we all know they love the splits, you know, is he going to be the DH that day, or is it going to be, because if Vientos gets on the field, then they're going to probably add another right-handed bat. If it's a lefty, they're not going to play Beatty. They're going to probably play Tommy Pham. So then there you go. Then at that point, see, Mauricio's lucky he's a switch hitter. You know what I'm saying? That's probably the main reason why they're going to bring him up. Yeah, that's probably the yeah. biggest thing that nobody's even talking about. He could yeah, provide lefty, right, lefty and righty power, whatever the hell. Right, right. You can you can do a lot when you have a switch hitter like that on the bench. Mm-hmm. Plus, you can you can maneuver it so that McNeil plays left, he plays second. You still get a Vientos at bat at DH, or you could just put Vientos at third, put Beatty at DH. You could do so many different combinations fun combinations, combinations that might actually win us more games instead of, you know, putting in guys like Vogelback, Tommy Pham. To me, I think there should be a, a, a reset in thinking, and I would I would bring the kid up, and Canna and Escobar will be my two guys, my two main guys, my two uh, Pham and Vogelbacks off the bench. Those I mean, would be my two other guys. Deeper. It makes the lineup. Yeah. It makes the lineup a lot more fun. You know, yep. I pray the day I see all four of those kids in the lineup behind Alonzo in some fashion. It'll be must see TV. I, they could all go zero for four. It don't mean shit to me. I just want to see it. Um, right. But they gotta play. They, he has to. Now you forcing this man. See, then Epler covers his ass with these kids. He pretty much he's covered his ass. He, he's covered his ass brilliantly with Francisco Alvarez. Beatty's doing his thing. 
So Eppler can avoid those 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 you know those bullet shots. But now you pretty much sending those bullets right downstairs to, to, to Buck's desk. And now it's up to Buck to figure out how he's gonna maneuver through these through this whole logjam of players. Speaking of logjam, yeah. this is the one conversation a lot of a lot of people not having. June 5th is the estimated target day for Omar Narvaez. Now, here's the problem. You got maybe the young best catcher in all of baseball, Francisco Alvarez. He, you cannot send this kid down. And God willing, knock on wood, he don't fucking get hurt. He's, yeah. he's your everyday catcher. I'm sorry. Until, until proven otherwise. Because when you got two guys on your team making $40 million and every chance they get, they praise this kid, he ain't going nowhere. I don't care what anybody tell me. Mm-hmm. He ain't going nowhere. And the closer. And the, and closer. the closer. They talking, they, they, they refuse to have Francisco Alvarez off, you know, anywhere near Syracuse. They will, they will fucking kick and fight more than the fans. So I love that about Max, Justin, and D-Rob. But now you gotta, now you, you just brought back dry eye Nito. You're going to have to cut him because now you, you, you're not going to cut Tommy Pham for Narvaez. And now here's the thing. People telling me they could carry three catches. <laughs> you carry three catches. Hear me out. Mark Vientos and Mauricio are fucked. Mark Vientos and Mauricio are absolutely fucked, especially Mark Vientos. So here's yeah. the thing. Now, if you call up Narvaez... And you don't want to keep DFAing guys because at that point, if you call up Narvaez, this is the third guy you're gonna DFA if it's Nito. And Nito and, and Nito is one of Buck's boys. That's a Buck guy, hardcore Buck guy. So now you gonna you have done DFA Gary Sanchez. You done DFA uh, Daniel Vogelbach, and now you DFAing Thomas Nito. That's three guys. You know how yeah. embarrassing a front office must feel when you know you have to DFA that many guys within a two-month span? And I know you put those guys on the field, but that is a, an indictment, an absolute indictment on the fraudulence that this front office has put together for Steve Cohen. And I know he 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 kind of got his hands tied because he ain't really get the GM that he really wanted. But this, in a, right. in a year and a half, you cutting guys left and right like it's an NFL team? Nah, 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 nah. Yeah, something got to give. But you have to do it. You have to cut the guy. Because yeah. guess what? He it, don't even got no options left. Like I mentioned earlier, he, there's nothing you can do with him. Unless you trade him for cash considerations or a piece of shit arm in somebody's farm and you hope and develop them and blah, 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 zoo, but you have no more options with him. So all this waste that we talked about could get shed and then it's up to the manager to put the best lineup together every single day. And then the, the, the target from fucking Epler goes down to Buck. Because at that point, everybody, they doing it now with the lineups. That might be the most anticipated lineup in all of baseball. I want to see lineup cards get more likes than the Mets when they tweet it out. Or more comments about what the fuck's going on with the team. And what is Buck doing? Because even when he drops a lineup that I like, there's about 50 million people that disagree with me. You know, there's never been a lineup that, there's been like one lineup where they all played the kids. And that was one of the games we did a crazy comeback in. Yeah. Other than that, no one has ever been like, yo, you know, this lineup is a W, blah, blah, blah. 
I think they gotta. I, I think they gotta. They gotta make some serious moves, brother. There's there's a lot to think about, you know. When uh, you know, Narvaez coming back definitely those are wrenched things. But then again, like it, the, the the decision is right in front of you. You have to DFA Nito. But then to your point, you just DFA'd another guy, and it looks like it just looks like complete front office it's malpractice. It's another. It's another year where acquisitions or or re-signings that you've made just blow up in your face, you know? And how many like, – I can't sit here and tell you that I feel confident about a pending trade deadline because who – what are we going to give up? Who is – who is going to be the, 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 the other GM on the other side that's going to be like, you know what, Billy – I like you. I'll throw you a fucking bone. Here's, here's this, you know, a fringe all-star player. Just give me back scraps and, and we're good. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? Like, that's not going to happen, especially with this owner who who is not well-liked, by the way. No, he's um, not. You know, it, 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 it's, it's kind of rough, the, the position that we've put ourselves in. But then to your point, it's it's all on Epler. Like, Absolutely. this is These are all... This is a trickle effect of uh, off season that was not planned out correctly. No, it, it was, was not. not. It was not executed to to the, a standard in which I'm sure Steve Cohen wanted it to, and we definitely wanted it to. If we looking back, like all these decisions, Tommy Pham, Vogelback, uh, who else? Tyler Naquin, mm-hmm. Darren Ruff. Uh, um, you know, like the list goes on and on. These are blow-ups mm-hmm. these are are bombs that have happened the, mm-hmm. like the, the best thing the the best trade that that billy upper has done only lasted a year and it was chris bassett yeah so like when you last, think about yeah. when, they didn't even done well yeah he didn't even last no nope. he didn't even last and we we you know he did good for us but you know we we didn't really like him for half of his starts you know, so he wasn't. He, think he, about, he, he wasn't gonna. He he's not a New York guy. It wasn't. It wasn't right, ever gonna right, work. Right, right, right. So know? it is what it is. Yeah. Right. So when you look at Billy Upper's track record up until this point, how can you safely assume that this roster will be in better shape after the trade deadline? You cannot. You can't assume that. No. And you then can't. to your point, you're putting you're putting your manager in a tough spot in which we continue to criticize him. And I hate that we're defending him because he's made a lot of mistakes this first half of the season. But you're you're basically putting your your manager in a tough spot where he has to start guys that are not major league players. They're not major league players anymore. They're no, just no. not. They no, need no. to go be playing with with, with Ruben Tejada and Daniel Murphy and <laughs> Long Island. And, and, uh, they, uh, you know, go to the Savannah Bananas. You know, it is what it is. And yeah, like 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 it, 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 it really is ridiculous. It's also infuriating. And then you know. We're over here uh, salivating over these kids. And I'm going to be honest with you. We had a discussion today. We've had discussions in the past where we've never seen a youth movement like this mm-hmm. before Absolutely in this organization. Not. Absolutely so you're not. Putting, you're putting a youth movement like this with all these top prospects in the hands of Billy Epler. And that and you're on. putting it in jeopardy because if they don't want to go down this DFA route, and they don't want it to like look like a circus. They're the all the kids have options, and then the fan base right. riots. 
And then the fans go go absolutely nuts, and everybody is calling for everybody's heads, and then tweeting out Steve Cohen and all this bullshit, and then we look like suckers on the internet, mm-hmm. and then it just it's a show. It's it circus. just looks like it looks like a circus. It looks like a joke. We look like the biggest jokes in baseball because if you look at that, I'm gonna continue to point out the payroll because it is it, it is something worth noting. Mm-hmm. Highest payroll in baseball. And you're gonna look like a fucking rodeo circus. Uh-huh. How the fuck does that happen in New York? You couldn't have said it better, brother. Um, I don't want to tease you guys who are listening. We were gonna go into a whole bunch of trade targets, but we went way too far past the limit. Um, but this is an amazing conversation. I mean, this team is nowhere near the finished article, but we have we have no idea what to expect. We have no idea what to expect. This bench could look different in seven days by the next time we record. We literally yeah. have all four kids. And then the next time we record, seven days after that, we could probably not have all four kids. It's absolutely yeah. a fucking shitstorm. Because, yeah. you know, you're almost at the point where you hope one of the veterans on the team goes on the aisle. This is, this is just the honest conversation not a veteran that does not matter yeah yeah if tommy fan <laughs> is on the il or Marcana, yeah. we're we're yeah. golden guys we're golden we're good or i mean with all this talk we haven't even talked about maybe like one of the shitty relievers getting cut like a uh, tommy hunter or dominic leon because i think those two are candidates also yeah. but then that is a buck decision because those are buck guys we know buck guys we know the epa guys and we know the buck guys and the thing is, is that I think Buck, as much as I give him shit, Buck at some point is going to put his foot down. At some point. Because Buck has been bending over a lot. This is not the typical Buck show Walter we all know. He don't like to play kids. This is very early for him to integrate a lot of young players. At some point, he's probably going to tell him, I'm good. This is it. Yeah. You know? I, look, I which is all going off a rumor that we heard from a very reliable source. In my honest opinion, I believe that Ronnie Mauricio will be playing the Futures game at the All-Star break. And if it's depending on that and everything he's done in the minors, if he continues to streak up until that point, I believe he will be up with the team before the trade deadline. I think he's going to get them the, 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 the Futures game. That's good PR for him. He deserves that. Um, also, you know, not to know, I don't know if you heard or, or knew that Ronnie Mauricio made a really, had or made, or he held a really good, um, interview today with a Dominican sports outlet where he talked about yeah. getting called up. And the best part about hearing it is Ronnie Mauricio pretty much said, so all my fans out there, cause you know, they asked him about getting called up. He's all my fans out there. I just want you guys to know that don't rush this. This will happen. But I want it to happen, and I want it to happen once. I want it to be done correctly because I don't want to be called up and sent down. Ronnie Mauricio said that verbatim. And Ronnie's like, yo, listen, I have worked so hard on my on my walk rate, on my strikeout rate. And he pretty much said Buckshaw Walter and the front office told him that's what you need to work on. And he's working on it. He's getting better at it. He's hitting the cover off the ball. But he also told all the fans out there – from Ronnie Mauricio, yo, don't rush this. When this happens, it'll be great, though. Maybe it might happen Tuesday. 
when we kick off against the Phillies, maybe it might not. Maybe it's another person called up. I have no idea. I, honestly, I don't know. I don't know. But I know that the source that we're talking about has been like 99.9% of the time correct. They wouldn't put themselves out publicly like that if it wasn't something that was concrete. Now, you know, we know things change every day, you know, in baseball, front offices and stuff like that. But, you know, for those out there watching, we recorded this on Friday. The Mets won a game in Colorado and Daniel Vogelbach did absolutely nothing again. We didn't so, even talk about it, but yeah. We didn't even talk about it. <laughs> but we just let it go. No, spoiler alert. Daniel Vogelbach did jack shit tonight. Okay? Yeah. Your leadoff guy, your shortstop, and your 40-year-old pitcher held everything down. And you, you start third baseman. So, with that being said, <sighs> we're not even going to wrap around the league, bro. I need a... I need a no. we, we've been too long. Um, who's your amazing of the week and uh, who's your bozo of the week? Give me your bozo first. Bozo of the week. I mean, I feel like we, we should name the episode after him. It's I Daniel think. Vogel walk. Yeah. Daniel Vogel fat. Daniel Vogel whatever. Now, um, Vogel we pointed out the assignment. stat. That's my name. Vogel native first. <laughs> we we pointed out the stat that he's two for twenty two in his last nine games. Um, his average is creeping a lot towards two hundred than where it was. You know, uh, two forty. Um, I think he's below 230 now after this past game. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if you want any more reason to, to call him the Bozo of the Week, just rewind. Yeah. I mean, it, it's self-explanatory. I mean, the roster is in shambles because the Met, New York Mets believed in this guy and right. they had no track record whatsoever of this guy doing anything significant in, in this league yeah. to acquire – and here we are now, you know, and this guy, yep. in my honest opinion, I don't know now, I don't know when, I don't know in four days, but at, at some point, this guy's not going to be on the major league team. It's just the honest truth. Nope. He's my bozo nope. of the week nah, as well. Yeah. Um, who's your amazing of the week? Amazing of the week. I am glowing. Do you see my face? I'm glowing with excitement mm -hmm. right now to announce my amazing of the week. And who's that? Because it is El Toro. <laughs> it is. Francisco Alvarez. It is the, 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 other than Adley Rushman, I want to give him his respect. Okay, I'm a big Adley fan. Other than Adley Rushman, though, it is the best young catcher in baseball and arguably one of the best catchers in the NL already. This kid is working himself to an all-star game at the pace that he's going in his well, rookie season. I will I, say this. I just want to let that be known. Uh, if we're going to let things be known, he has a better uh, frame rate than Adley Rushman. Actually, a significantly better frame rate. Significantly. Uh, Adley Rushman, I believe, is 13th or 15th in the league, and Francisco Alvarez is, has the third best frame rate in all of baseball. And you know what they said about Francisco Alvarez? Yep. He doesn't have a glove. So. I think they... That's, I, that's I think what they, they told us. That's I think they, they, us they go out their way to do this to see if the kids got any, like, moxie in them. Or, like, you know, have any fight back. But that's a whole nother conversation. He's my amazing of the week as well. Um, he uh, He's my amazing of the week because of the way he stares at pitchers. That's why he's my amazing of the week. He yeah, and the way he celebrates. And he celebrates. He is – this is pretty much Pete Alonso's team. But the, the heart and soul of this team is Francisco Alvarez. 
the engine of this team is Nimmo. Okay. Yep. The glue of this team is Lindor. You know, the, the the MVP of the team is Pete, but the heart and soul is the kids and the main one in Francisco Alvarez, in my opinion. I agree. 100%. Yeah. Now, with that being said, Billy Upla, you could kiss my brown ass. All right. Episode number nine, the the Brandon Nemo episode went long, guys. I'm sorry, but this is these are real conversations we gotta have. So um yeah. we will be back in a week. Have a blessed Memorial Day weekend. The chance the podcast will be, be around. Safe. Um yeah. and yeah, you know what I'm saying? It is what it is. Let's go Mets, you know. And hopefully we keep winning baseball games and who knows, maybe Ron and Mauricio will be here the next time we record and Vogel back is gone. Mm. You don't know. So <laughs> yo. Let's go Mets, uh, and as Pete Alonzo would say, let's fucking go Mets. Thanks for checking out the Shades of Podcast. Make sure to follow us on all social media platforms and stay tuned for the next episode.